Welcome to Word First Radio, the podcast of Word First Ministries. Tune in each week and join us as we pursue God's command to make disciples of all nations. What is up, you guys? Welcome to Word First Radio, the podcast brought to you by Word First Ministries. I am your host, Jacob O'Neill, and as always, I'm joined by my friends Bailey and Cameron. And this is our first episode of the new year, which is pretty crazy. So we're going to go ahead and jump right in. Bailey, go ahead and pray us in, brother. Yep, let's do it. Lord, we just ask you today that you would um, help to convict and remind our hearts and minds of the urgency and the necessity for your gospel, for your message um, to get out into the world. And I pray that this conversation would inspire us all to um, be devoted to that cause um, to greater amounts. So Lord, be with us today. Teach us. We ask that you would in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, we hope everybody at home, you all had a great Christmas. Yeah. Um, last month was a pretty exciting month for us because we had a whole month of podcast content. Yeah. Boom. Which is pretty crazy. That's something yeah. we've always kind of wanted to do. I mean, that's right? the whole reason we came to Norway. Mm-hmm. I mean, we always wanted to have a podcast, but never had anything to talk about. So basically, I'm a YouTuber, a podcaster. It's in my email. It's in your, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just got to add that to your resume now. That's right. It's pretty it, soon. You'll be influencer. Yeah. Housewife. <laughs> Yes, thank you for tuning in for this A plus <laughs> right. podcast Christian we content. Plenty more. That's right. In twenty twenty two. So, uh, some people who've been following our mission for some time uh, know that uh, we've been sent to Norway and mm. raised a significant amount of funds yeah. to come to Norway, not to do a podcast, uh, but to actually do <laughs> yeah. evangelism yeah. and church planting. Uh, so, what we wanted to talk about today was evangelism. That's mm-hmm. something that uh, the three of us uh, know a little bit about and have been, have experienced mm. and mm-hmm. uh, are very passionate about. So, Cam, why don't you go ahead and get us started on that? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a a uh, heavy thing. That's a big box to unpack. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I, I guess I would say, um, so we weren't sent not to do a podcast. This is actually sure. part of our evangelistic work or part of our ministry anyways, believe mm-hmm. it or not. But evangelism is one of those things that, you know, a gazillion pages worth of ink have, have been, have been, have been spilled over. Yeah. There's only 2000 years of church yeah, history. Only 2, so, years yeah. of church history. <laughs> but evangelism is, is the, basically the task of the church. So if i if I describe it quickly, evangelism really is that, um, it's, telling people the good news of salvation that's found in Christ alone. I think that's sort of the bottom and the bedrock. How you do that, uh, when you do that, ways and strategies and methods and all of that, there's so much to be said. But basically at bottom, what we've been sent to Norway to do, the whole the whole mission, if we want to call it a mission and why not, is to continue what Jesus was doing. So yeah. Jesus came and he, he was the gospel, or at least the gospel is the good news of salvation. Uh, it's the story about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then he charged his church, that is us, and all church members throughout time and history, all actual disciples of Christ to continue his work, which is to seek and save the lost. So evangelism is presenting, explaining, sharing the gospel with those who are lost. Yeah, I think that sums it up pretty well. Yeah, uh, so. would, would you say that these words sum it up pretty well? Uh, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have taught and commanded you? Yeah, I mean, that's that's so that's the whole point of the church. So evangelism is kind of the first... 
the first step. So not everybody mm-hmm. who is uh, evangelized will become a disciple of Christ, but that necessarily is the goal. That's what Jesus mm-hmm. has set us out to do. So you can't make disciples without evangelizing. And that, I mean, that kind of interfaces with the way that we are used to doing church. Like you're not, you're not saved because grandma's a Christian or because my mom or my dad is a right. Christian or, or even because I'm baptized. So here in Norway, that's common. You're baptized as an infant. Baptism doesn't save you. Sure. Baptism uh, doesn't reconnect you, reunite you or all by itself with God Almighty. So yeah, so go and make disciples yeah. of all nations. That's what Christ has sent his church out to do. And the the bottom floor of that or the first step of that or, is evangelism. And then after mm-hmm. evangelism has occurred and somebody has um, has been saved and mm-hmm. commits him or herself to being a disciple of Christ, then we continue with making disciples and, t- and baptizing them and teaching them all that Jesus has commanded. Yeah, very cool. I feel like evangelism, um, well, not just feel like, but we've, I think we've experienced, uh, those of us who have grown up in the church, mm-hmm. um, and even not being a part of the church for decades, even mm-hmm. for a, um, uh, even a smaller amount of time than that, uh, kind of realize that evangelism is something that is supposed to characterize like a Christian. Mm. Like it's one of those things, I call them like youth group level application points. Like, we, you know, in youth group, if there's anything that I heard from the pastor, like every Wednesday night, that's mm. when youth groups get together, <laughs> I guess. Um, if there's anything I remember hearing from my pastor, it's read your Bible every day, pray every day, don't mm. punch your cat, and evangelize <laughs> to people. Go and mm. seek and save the lost. Why did you have to tell that's you that every list. Wednesday? I feel like that's a one and done. <laughs> so seeking and saving the lost is a very, yeah, good question. Seeking and saving the lost uh, is like one of those like basic, like, you're su- every like Christian knows mm-hmm. we're supposed to do it, yeah. but it's something that actually very few Christians, if you look at the statistics, at least where yeah. we're from, yeah, you know, from and California. It's true here too. I mean, so LAGA, uh, one of the groups that we're connected to, they did a survey of Christian students a few years ago, and they found out that self, like Christian students, people who identify as Christian disciples of Christ, nine out of ten of them are unwilling to share their faith with anybody. Mm-hmm. And it's not for the reasons you would think. I mean, it, there are understandable reasons. I feel like I, uh, for example, I feel like I couldn't answer somebody's questions about the Bible. I don't yeah. know enough. Mm-hmm. I'm not an expert. I'll bring them to my pastor. My pastor can help to answer those questions. Um, so for various reasons, people don't share the gospel here. It doesn't seem like that is necessarily the case. Um, that there's worldview stuff that's involved mm-hmm. uh, with why they don't share the gospel in Norway. But yeah, it's, it's interesting to me that so-called evangelicals, right? We get our name from the fact <laughs> yeah. that we do evangelism, or that's the idea. Like, these people are trying to get everyone to believe the same as them, something like that. Yeah. Like, they want everyone to join the club, but very few uh, evangelical Christians actually evangelize. Yeah. I think I would just say, like, out of the list that you put out, um, the cat one is probably the most neglected. No, it's... <laughs> um, I think evangelism is probably the yeah. most neglected or the um, behavior of uh, like automatically the behavior expected of a Christian mm-hmm. yeah. that's most lost in the church, at least like as we know it. Um, and just, it's so crucial. It's like yeah. the, it's the thing we ought to be doing. Like the other things you listed are personal pursuits, mm-hmm. but that's our most outward focus. Like that's where Jesus tells us he wants our energy to be spent. Yeah. So I, don't, I just think that's 
significant. Well, I think we tend to put it in the box of like, that's the thing that super Christians do. Like yeah. I can read my Bible, mm-hmm. low risk. Well, it's, it's high risk <laughs> if you intend on obeying it. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of low risk activity. I don't have to embarrass myself. Like, I can yeah. pray. That's pretty low risk. That stays mm-hmm. between me and God. But that thing where I have to like touch the world right, and, mm-hmm. and talk to people about the state of their eternal souls, things like that, that's really intimidating. And so we tend to put it in like, like that's what, that's what the super Christians do. But mm-hmm. that's like sort of what you're saying, Bailey. Like it's, absolutely expected a normal part of every Christian's life should be at least those three things. Mm -hmm. Read your Bible faithfully, pray expectantly and share the gospel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So here, so let's do something fun. I'm going to play. I don't know what the, okay. Right. Well, you, you will. (laughs) So I'm going to play advocate for a second and I'm going to say, well, you guys saying that stuff, I read the Bible and I see that, listen, there's a gift of evangelism. Mm -hmm. So, Hey, it looks like there are these super Christians out there. They're the ones with the gift of evangelism and I'm the one who uh, gets to support them. Mm -hmm. What would you say to someone who says that? I mean, I'd say, um, read more of it like uh <laughs> jesus everywhere it, it's not just in matthew 28 that he uh alludes to his desire that his church goes out and shares the news about him um all throughout his ministry he's constantly pointing us outwards to mm-hmm. go and get um the world that doesn't follow him mm-hmm. and then um even just i'll say like i've been reading in acts lately mm-hmm. and in there um Paul shares his testimony at one point and he's, uh, if you don't know, Paul's got a radical testimony. He mm. is on the road to, um, go persecute Christians some more. Cause that's mm-hmm. what he was up to at the time. And, um, he sees Jesus and is blinded by Jesus because he sees glorious Jesus. So, <laughs> yeah. um, it's pretty radical. he's blinded and, um, just has this crazy story. And then we know that he's the guy who ends up writing, uh, most of our new Testament so the guy who had that like calling and like God obviously gave him a really epic job description as a Christian. Yeah. Um, but in, I think it's Acts 22, Acts 21, he's sharing his testimony and Paul reduces what Jesus tells him to do down to something like be a witness to everyone, you know, um, of what you've seen and heard. So like even Paul reduces his crazy calling of writing scripture and all this stuff. He doesn't write about all that stuff or he doesn't tell them of that stuff. He says, God just called me to be a witness. And Mm -hmm. I think that's like the common calling that every Christian, Mm -hmm. um, obviously has. So, yeah, 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 you're exactly right. So there is a specific gift of evangelism, which I think, you know, we can theologize about that, but that's a, Mm. that's a specific thing to do. That doesn't let all the rest of the Christians off the hook and you therefore don't have to evangelize. It just means not everybody engages in the kind of evangelism that those who have the gift are engaged in or something Mm -hmm. like that. So when you say I could be supporting evangelism, that's true. Mm -hmm. We all, I mean, if, if, uh, my opinion is every Christian either needs to, it should be a missionary or supporting missionaries. Mm -hmm. So as far as missions is concerned, like I don't think that there is any way out of it. I think those are the only options of of Christians and evangelism. Similarly, not everybody has to go and evangelize. Uh, that is street preaching, Mm-hmm. And not everybody is gifted. That is, not everybody is as good as good at it as everybody else. Mm-hmm. Some people are gifted and are excellent at that pursuit. Nevertheless, Christians aren't off the hook. I mean, that's that's the purpose. That's what we're doing. And the truth is, if we understood, I, I think we do. I'm sorry that sounded a little bit critical. Um, but when you understand 
mm-hmm. price that God paid in order to redeem who are now his church, that should change your life. I mean, we were talking about it before and it's something like we're, you know, we're still in the midst of this COVID pandemic thing. And imagine somebody like found the recipe that cures all that cures this disease yeah. and then just like left it and didn't do anything with it or, uh, uh, yeah, we'll just say that like left it and didn't do anything with it. You go, whoa, 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 whoa. You yeah. don't understand the severity of the problem. Mm-hmm. Like if you are not moved then to distribute the solution to everybody, mm-hmm. then, um, then then there seems like there's something um, there's something wrong with your motives, mm. or that you don't understand what the the nature or the severity of the problem, something like that. No, I, I think that's a great analogy. I think you know. Here's the thing: there's, Jesus um, literally came to solve uh, the problem that, like at least in, like in our experience, mm-hmm. almost everyone asks. We uh, Christians always get asked about evil mm-hmm. and sin mm-hmm. and death, and the, you know they always get asked about. Um, you know, how does, why is, does God let bad things happen? And Jesus came to solve that problem. Mm -hmm. The problem with the world is sin. And Jesus came to uh, rid the world of that and to solve that problem. And we literally have the answer and the cure to the sin problem. We have the words of life to give to people. Mm -hmm. And using that COVID analogy, you know, if we had the cure, like we we couldn't do anything else. We we would Mm -hmm. have to get this cure out Mm -hmm. um, because we know that it would change. It's literally life and death. It would change people's lives and it would change the world. Yeah. And so, Mm -hmm. so um, I think if Christians understood that, and I think a lot of us don't. I mean, we have here in Norway, and especially also, especially, but also in the United States, we have what we might call cultural Christians, people mm. who who wear the badge but don't really have haven't met Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they don't expect that expect of themselves or other people really that evangelism is happening. The church, um, you know, we conceive of church as a family. Like this is who I commit my earthly life to ministry together with. And if you're lacking that, then it makes sense that you wouldn't evangelize because you don't understand what we're doing. And the, the point is not that we want people to join the club, although sort of becoming part of the club is one of the prerequisites of eternal life and fellowship <laughs> with God forever. Sure. So yeah. what we're promised by God Almighty is you can have fellowship with Jesus and with the Father and with the saints throughout all generations forever and ever. Or you can have not that. You can have solitude and loneliness and separation from God and all of those other people and things. Um, if we believe that that was true, maybe we would take, we would take evangelism. Mm -hmm. Um, we would take it, not take it seriously. I don't mean to, again, it sounds kind of critical. I don't mean to criticize anybody, but that is if you understand, then it would be obvious by the way that you behave and what you do in your life. And I think the like key thing for me too, is the, that's not just the church as a whole. Mm -hmm. Um, like I think the church as a whole has lost it to a great degree, but, Mm -hmm. um, for each individual Christian, yeah, um, we ought to realize we have the cure, right? And like we have this need to get it out, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about those things. So um, obviously, we keep, you know, we're kind of like building the sense of urgency, like we're mm. c- comparing evangelism to like we're bringing a cure. We're comparing yeah. it to the COVID pandemic. Uh, so like, why is evangelism so important? What are some of the reasons why, Bailey? Go ahead, start us off on that. Yeah. Um, like we talked about, Jesus outright commands it in a ton of different ways throughout his ministry. Um, I think it's obviously the mission of the church. Like, like we've agreed on the the gospel is the cure or the it answers the problem of sin and evil and all these things that people have questions about. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So that's the cure that the church has possession of. Mm-hmm. And anyone who puts themselves under that umbrella, that's the cure that we hold in our possession. Um, so it just kind of naturally follows that we ought to go and share that with everyone else. Um, and yeah. then the, I think the need of just, if we don't get that cure to everyone else, then um, they don't receive the cure, which means... Um, uh, can you put yeah. it the way you always put it? Yeah. Well, I don't know how I always put it. Gosh. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, what we'll is, so we right keep now. talking about the cure, like the cure to what? And the cure is separation yeah. from God. Yeah. So I think we have this backwards idea sometimes that God's will for the world is like moral perfection. Yeah. And he, he does he does want moral perfection in the world because he designed the world to be a place where we could flourish if we were morally perfect. And God himself is morally perfect. But that's not... The, an end in itself, like God could create a universe with only moral perfection, right? You just have mm-hmm. you have yeah. um, you have beings without free will and free agency. Sure. So, uh, so you create a bunch of robots that execute their commands, and you don't have anything like the problem of evil, right? You could just program them to always do sure. to always do the correct thing, mm-hmm. but you don't get a universe with actual morality in that case. So God valuing morality made the world the way that He did, and then sin sin broke it, and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is like me. I break it a thousand times a day. So the problem isn't that um, God wanted to actualize a moral universe and didn't or couldn't or whatever. The problem is relational. Mm-hmm. What God made for us when he, uh, when he created humanity was an extension of his family. And God was, was welcoming us into the perfect relationship that he has existed with for for as long since as he existed. I don't want to use in eternity time. past eternity. Sure. <laughs> Whatever that means yeah, for as long as God has existed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's existed in perfect relationship and he's mm-hmm. invited us into the divine relationship uh, with God almighty and our sin not only hurts and offends God, but it violates that perfect mm-hmm. divine yeah relationship that is characterized by what you might call shalom and peace, harmony. Mm-hmm. And so when we misdiagnose the problem, we think that what God wants is our good behavior. Well, yeah, he does. What he wants is right relationship with us again. He's invited us into his family. So when we see that the problem is primarily relational, then it makes sense of eternities. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's the the coloring book idea that if you've been good, you go to heaven. And if yeah. you've been bad, you go to hell where you're tortured. Um, I think the church has done a bad job for a long time <laughs> describing what hell is like. Jesus talks about it a lot, yeah. but doesn't describe it very often. Um, but one thing you get is, an, is a sense of urgency from Jesus that whatever it takes to stay out of hell, do it. There is nothing that could happen in this life that is worth putting you in hell over. Pluck your mm-hmm. eyes out, cut your hands off, whatever mm-hmm. is going to keep you from hell. Do anything except go to except be in hell, go to hell. Right. Which I believe is an actual real place of actual eternal conscious existence. Yes. Separated from God and his goodness and the people of God. So um Bailey reminded me, I think it's Frank Turk who puts it like you what happens at the at the end of history or after after you die and after the world is judged is you continue in your relationship with God however you left it. Yeah. So if you're in rebellion against God through sin and offense, you are not then welcomed into the relationship that God is that God is inviting you into. In order to do that, you have to be saved, right? And and right. we can talk about what exactly salvation is, but those people who are saved, what are they saved from? We're saved from the wages of our own sin, which is death, which is separation from God, which is living in a, in a continual rebellious state. And I love the way JP Moreland puts it. He says something like, if you hate God, you would hate heaven. Yeah. Mm. So 
So the so again, all of that to say the the problem that God like God's design for the universe is relational. His whole his whole project is to fix and restore a relationship that we continually break so that we can have peace with God and be reconciled to God. If we think God merely wants us to follow the rules for its own sake, then we miss the richness of Mm. that, and we can see heaven and hell as a reward and a penalty. Well, the reward and penalty stuff is there, but it's not even even close to the whole story. We can either live in relationship with God who loves us, Mm. or we can continue rejecting the relationship of the God who loves us, and that just extends into forever. Yeah. I'm really... uh, Thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, delicately putting the, um, you know, talking through things like that, yeah. eternal separation from God. I want to touch on one of the things that you said, um, because this is kind of something that really, um, uh, like, touches me. This mm-hmm. is the, like something I think about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you said um, a lot of people kind of look at Christianity like it's the do good things religion. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, I feel like, and I feel like I've experienced this as well. That the church, uh, especially where we come from in America, is uh, characterized by um, the things that we believe about morals, mm-hmm. like what, what Christians believe about sex, what we believe mm-hmm. about money, right. uh, what we believe about love, uh, what we believe about um, uh, that there's one God right. and that's like about it, you yeah. know. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and that we should worship Him. But I feel like um, when when I look at the New Testament, like in the Book of Acts, I see like a very different picture. Mm-hmm. I feel I see it like a church that's characterized by its um, furtherance, like its its hyper aggressive furtherance of the gospel. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's you said the words you used was it's the mission of the church. Yeah, and yeah. everything the church should do. Like, as far as I'm concerned, it should be for the furtherance of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, why, you know, churches have, lots of churches have youth groups. Mm-hmm. Why should churches have youth groups? Yeah. Churches should have youth, youth groups so they can preach the gospel to mm-hmm. them. Why do they have, uh, like, a, a men's retreat or, like, yeah. a men's barbecue or something like that? We, sh- we should do all of those things mm-hmm. for the gospel. And yeah. I wish that the church would be characterized by everything you just said, like, the mm-hmm. message of... Um, that there's good news, that there's a relational problem that we have with God. Mm. Um, I, if, if when going back to the Sermon on the Mount, which you yeah. kind of touched on, um, I oftentimes have Matthew 7 quoted to me where uh, Jesus says, um, whoever does the will of my Father will enter heaven. And mm-hmm. people point at that verse and they say, see, Jesus does want us to do good things to go to heaven. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you didn't read the next verse. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> read the next verse where he's like, there will be people who cast miracles in my name and mm-hmm. do all sorts of good things in my name. Mm-hmm. And to those people, I'm going to say, uh, to people who do those things, mm-hmm. I'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. Yeah. And so Jesus's whole problem is that, listen, you can't do the will of the Father. You need to have right relationship with mm-hmm. me. You need yeah. a holistic transformation of your heart. Yeah. And so I think that those uh, yeah. concepts are... Yeah, I mean, it yeah. just... I mean, so that moralizing thing, that just scratches the human itch, right? So every civilization in history has had... Like, it's just so common to the human experience, this idea that I've offended God. We've talked about this before. I've offended God. I've done something wrong. The universe mm-hmm. is... There's... there's um, uh, disharmony in the sure. world and, and it has something to do with me. Right. And so we try and fix it. And I mean, that was even, that was the, um, th- that was Paul's kind of strongly worded letter to the Galatians, right? It's like, who's bewitched you quit adding things to the gospel. What mm-hmm. the church does is the gospel. And if we do anything that is not, that is not specifically the gospel, it's in the service of the gospel. What were you going to say, Bailey? Um, I'm just, I'm thinking of a thousand things. We were yeah. talking <laughs> earlier today about this. And, um, I think just, 
adding or subtracting from the gospel is a mm. huge discussion. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's so, um, like we, no, I'm going to save, I'm going to okay, save it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, well here, you can go ahead and start us off with, uh, what else we want to talk about. We, uh, obviously this issue has weighed on our hearts and minds, mm-hmm. uh, and this obviously, um, has impacted our lives. Otherwise we wouldn't have uprooted everything and yeah. moved to a foreign mm-hmm. country, yeah. uh, with this message to right. join the Christians yeah. that are already here in right. sharing this message. Um, so ha- why, uh, has this, um, affected us in the way that it has? Like, why is this so important to us personally? Like, where does it land in our lives? Bailey, go ahead. Just yeah. start with that. For me, um, I'll just start with when I uh, came to know the gospel and, you know, when I was evangelized myself or mm-hmm. however you want to say that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the way Jake, you describe it is I'm, I was an evangelical atheist. <laughs> which I think it's pretty perfect. Uh, I wasn't a very good atheist, so okay. uh, I didn't know my stuff. But I thought I knew my stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, um, my introduction to the faith was through friends and just going to a youth group and being a witness to the weird stuff that Christians were doing in that building. Mm-hmm. So I'd see them with their hands raised and singing songs and praying and doing all of that kind of stuff. And um, to my uh, weak atheist eyes, I... Um, saw that as just like sad and they were spending so much of their life and their time and devotion Mm -hmm. on something that in my eyes was, you know, believing in Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. Uh Um, and I like had the urge to let them know that. So, um, I was, you had the cure and we were sick. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I would, I I was, a um, a bother to the pastor there and everything like that. But, um, Fast forward to when I came to believe the good news myself. Um, it just kind of all hit me in that same analogy that you were talking about, Cam, with, um, you know, the gospel is this cure mm-hmm. for cancer. Um, and, like, that's so tiny compared to what it really is. Right. Like, yeah. the gospel mm-hmm. makes um, the problem of cancer in the world look minuscule. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because it's so massive. Like yeah, the, the f- gospel unbreaks the universe. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it just, and yeah, for my atheist eyes, yeah. suddenly eternity is a thing. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, that was a smack in the face of just realizing suddenly I had this thing that felt like I have the cure for the biggest problem in the world. Yeah. And, um, that just, it was rough starting out. So <laughs> like I've told you guys before, um, my, first night being a Christian, I came home from the camp that we were at with the youth group and I cried in a room with my parents and was basically just begging them to believe the thing that I had come to believe. Um, and it wasn't a good strategy. Like (laughs) I think, uh, we'll be talking about strategy a little bit more, but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think begging and crying for people to come to the gospel is the best, uh, thought out method for evangelizing, but, it's just like where my heart was yeah. immediately and where my heart still is. Um, of just like the necessity of this message getting out into the world. Cause if I don't share this with people, they don't even have the opportunity to change the state that they're in, which is currently separated from God. Mm-hmm. And if they die, then they'll continue in separation from God. And yeah, I mean, like we all agree, that's the mm-hmm. biggest problem in the yeah. world. 
Um, and we have been tasked with not uh, solving it. Jesus solved it for us, but right. um, letting the world know, like putting it on all broadcasts that he solved the problem for us. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we get tired of saying, uh, and we've said this already, and we will say it again until <laughs> uh, we're all dead. Probably. Um, that it's of infinite importance. Yeah. Like yeah. exactly what you were touching on. Mm. Like the problem of cancer is a problem. It's yeah. a problem that affects people's lives mm. uh, harshly and, and mm. it brings lots of grief. But the problem that Jesus came to solve, mm. sin and death, for all time, mm-hmm. like the ones we're experiencing now and will experience cancer yeah. and beyond, Jesus came to solve that. Right. Yeah. And it's of infinite importance. It makes the problem of cancer minuscule by comparison. Yeah. Right. And so I thought that was a good way to put it. And uh, I appreciate that. So, yeah. So Bailey, like your story is like your heart gets laid bare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and uh, my my experience is a, little, is a little bit different. There wasn't really a time in my life, I think, I mean, I mean as I... As I reflect, I don't think there's a time in my life when I wasn't a Christian. I mean, there's mm. definitely a time I didn't know Jesus, but I've always believed in Jesus. And I remember saying prayers with my dad when I was like two years old. Yeah. And I can't point to a time in my life when, whenever I wouldn't have called myself a Christian. But um, my life was uh, characterized with lot, by lots of freedom to believe what I wanted. And so in my family, like we like to philosophize and think about ideas and talk. Like that's what the uncles do. Mm. The ladies all that like they get together and complain about us. And like, we go, <laughs> we go on the porch and we just talk about things as we see them. So that was a really natural kind of way of existing mm-hmm. for me. So in my life, you know, my dad was a pastor, but not till I was a senior in high school. Right. So I did mm. not grow up a pastor's kid. I grew up a retailer's kid. Mm. And I always knew that God was calling me to ministry. I always knew he was real. And my sort of transitional experience isn't so, it's not like a point. It's like a, Mm. it's like a gradual, just continuing to develop and understand God, understand and love God more all the time. But for me, I've always been burdened by the, the people who leave the faith. Mm. And in particular, the ones who are active when they're high school aged and then leave for college and never go to church again. That number in the United States is staggering. I've been talking to some people here, they have the same kind of problem here. Um, people who are active in the church when they are transitioning sort of into adulthood, mm-hmm. leave and never come back. And that always burdened me because what's going on, what's part of what's happening is they leave for college where they get really bad ideas mm. and, um, and get sort of turned around in a lot of ways. And I've always, I've had this concern, like we need to fight the bad ideas. You're not getting, they're not getting their bad religious ideas replaced by good and true ones. Mm, right. They're getting them replaced by the, the stuff that's killing you. Right. It's like you, you've been, um, you've been a part of the solution or whatever. You've been a part of the, the, um, you've had the cure all along and then you reject it and drink poison. And so they're Mm. drinking these poisonous thoughts and that's always really worried me. So when I was studying apologetics when I was, um, in graduate school, I had a class with JP Moreland. I had Phil mind with JP Moreland and (laughs) it was pretty great. (laughs) And so I asked him, I I shared this burden with him. I said, JP, what do I do? Cause at that point I'd finished a degree in philosophy and I, I, uh, I, it came pretty natural to me. So at that point I was considering doing um, advanced education in philosophy. And so I asked JP for his opinion. What do I do? Like my heart's broken for this generation of people who is fleeing from the church. And he said, go get the best PhD you can get and then go teach at the best school that you can teach at. Um, The idea being that there will be some representation among that faculty of goodness, beauty, wisdom, and truth. 
And that's good advice. It just turned out it wasn't for me. Sure. Uh, I considered it. Uh, I was just about to, I was just about to do it. That was a different path my life could have taken. I'm glad that I didn't. Um, that's not what God had for me. The life of academia never really appealed to me. Mm-hmm. Um, there are guys who are 10 gazillion times better than me, mm-hmm. like doing the work yeah. that needs to be done there. It's a good path Thank for you. JP. It's an excellent path Maybe for not JP necessarily and other Cameron. scholars. Yeah. Thank you, men and women who are doing excellent scholarship. I'm not a scholar. I'm just some, I'm just some dude. Um, and so for me, that looked like working in young adults ministry, which we yeah. all like, that's one of the main ways that we sort of came together in ministry mm. was doing young adult ministry at the orchard. So we founded the young adults group there, which continues even now. And the idea being um, having ministry that reaches those people has good answers for them and helps to integrate them and understand their place in the church and as a Christian and identify as a member of the family of God, um, you know, before anything else. So for me, evangelism or my call to evangelize or whatever. It's always been the problem of like people believe the wrong stuff and they're Mm. replacing good ideas with bad ones. And I just want them, I want them to believe rightly because believing wrong, like what you believe matters, your beliefs have consequences. And in Mm. this case they're eternal and it's the worst thing, right? It's the thing Jesus said, do anything to avoid because the worst thing is separation from God and bad beliefs can definitely put you on the road toward eternal separation from God. Mm. Yeah. Uh, That's where, um, you and I are very similar because yeah. uh, I also um, am very passionate about apologetics. I don't have a master's, but I, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm very passionate about apologetics and defending the faith and philosophy, and mm-hmm. those are topics that really interest me. Um, yeah, the intellectual case for Christianity, but yeah. that's that's not really where my uh, story begins. Uh, my story begins as a five-year-old uh, young boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I have a, I had a very evangelical upbringing. And when I say that, I don't mean the denominational yeah, yeah, sense yeah. of the word. Mm-hmm. I mean the active street evangelism, mm-hmm. handing out gospel tracts, yeah. talking to people on the streets yeah, yeah. about their eternal destinies, like upbringing. My dad uh, was a very passionate uh, evangelical. I mm-hmm. I grew up. Uh, I I grew up when um, that show Way of the Master uh, with yes. Ray Comfort and Kurt Cameron was a thing. Yes, my boys. Uh, yeah, we love we love them. <laughs> we love them. Yeah. And so uh, I I grew up when uh, when that was a thing, and I remember like literally for fun as a young kid watching them like without my dad, just like mm-hmm. by myself. I was such a weird kid. Yeah, um, but you I'm happy. Were weird. Yes, that's right. But I'm happy about that um, because it trained me uh, to really uh, see the problem from a real, I don't want to say emotional standpoint, um, but I remember uh, several times throughout my upbringing, my heart just breaking over um, the consequences of not uh, Mm -hmm. hearing the gospel. Uh, I remember several times um, talking to my dad like with tears in my eyes, trying to reconcile the problem of uh, hell and separation Mm -hmm. from God. And I'm like, how... How does this work? Like, how can people, um, how how can people like possibly reject God mm-hmm. and and want to be separated from Him? Like, I, it was just hard to grasp that. And my heart broke for those yeah. people, these mm-hmm. people who are self deceived, these people who uh, you know don't have their faith in Jesus and just want to. Uh, um, well, you know, you, we understand yeah. what I'm getting at. Yeah. Um, and so my heart really was really broken at. Uh, over that situation. I want to think like as a 24 year old that I understand that better. Mm. Um, I guess I've come to terms with it better, but it's still sometimes like really gets to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I always, uh, I view it kind of like in the lens, like of through this analogy, this parable, if you will, (laughs) um, 
where I imagine if you're, you know, you're, you're driving home from work and you see your neighbor, your next door neighbor, he's out on his balcony and he has a cup of coffee and he's in his robe and he's watching the beautiful sunrise. And that's a really pleasant scene. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. you can see through the windows under his house that his basement is on fire. Yeah. And so you, you, you get out of your car and you run onto his lawn and he's upset. He's like, get off of my lawn. What are you doing here? <laughs> it's reasonable. He's yeah. reasonably mm-hmm. upset. You've yeah. invaded his privacy. And, uh, I'm just like, I see it through that and I'm like, listen, I'm not going to get off your lawn. I'm going to scream at you to get out of your house. Mm -hmm. I'm going to break a window to pull your family out of the house. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do everything I can to get you out of that house. And when I hear this presentation, uh, this, this analogy, you know, be taught, the alternative is always, well, what would you, what if your response to him saying, get off my lawn was this? Oh, yeah. My bad, sir. Sorry about that. See ya. Yeah. Like, could you yeah. do that? We'd hate for this conversation to ruin Thanksgiving. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So uh, we can't do that. As Christians, yeah. we understand the consequences. We have the cure. We understand uh, we don't do it for the reward, but we know what it, what awaits us if we mm-hmm. put faith in Christ, yeah. and we know what awaits us if we reject Christ. Yeah. And so uh, for me, it was a, a very heartbreaking thing to be like, okay, I, I am not getting off this guy's lawn. Yeah. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get him out of his house. I think that's related to the childlike faith that Jesus all the time yeah. is really um, is really pleased with. Mm. So Cheery was a little bit the same way. And it was a few mm. years ago, we were saying prayers before bedtime. And I was telling her, I said, I think God might want us to go to Norway. And we're, you know, she's like five years old. So we're playing with that idea. And then seeing what she thinks about it. And she asked why we would do that. I said, well, because there's so many people there who don't know Jesus. And when I told her that, she goes, they don't know Jesus? I said, no, baby. And she goes, well, we need to go over there and tell them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, she gets it, right? She doesn't know how it's going to happen. She's five years old. She doesn't understand any of the logistical stuff. What she knows is that people don't know Jesus and that they they need to. And that's, I mean, that's, we have to tell them the basement's on fire. Why wouldn't anyone tell them? Yeah. And, you know, the analogies are good so far as they go. But if we really believe that my, that our neighbor's basement is on fire, what are we going, what are we going to do in order to convince them? We can't save them, right? We can't put out the fire, but we can, we can warn them and we can direct them to the one who can. Yeah. I love both of those. Um, like your parable, um, (laughs) and then your story with Sherry. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I feel like it just, um, perfectly links together the idea that like, we can't stick with the comfort of I'll I'll bring them to the pastor and mm-hmm. like pastor can have that conversation. Yeah. yeah. Um like Cheery, um, who follows Christ mm-hmm. at five years old, ought to have the heart to go and spread yeah. the news. Like when she hears the problem, um, her heart ought ought to leap at yeah. I need to go get the news to them. And like since we've been here, I think there are or two or three stories that mm-hmm. you told us of yeah. Yeah, she's doing it like yes. she's beating us. <laughs> she, uh, yeah she had so when she got here she's in a, a special introductory class for students who don't speak norwegian yet so sure. you can mm-hmm. learn the language but they have to sort of give you an academic assessment to make sure that you won't fall behind academically if you're in that class and so she did that and she was there for a few hours and the young lady who uh, was assessing her cheerston evangelized so they, mm-hmm. they want to know what you know about <laughs> things and they want to know what you know about the world and society and world religions and things and she yeah. asked cheerston about world religions 
and told Chiri that she was not religious. And Chiri said, well, you should become a Christian mm. like <laughs> us and be a part of the family of God. Mm. I was like, you did? She's like, yeah, yeah absolutely I did. <laughs> Heck yeah. And I, asked, and I asked her how that went. She was, well, she told me that that was very nice, but that she wasn't interested in becoming a religious person. But I mm. told, I talked to her about yeah. it. That's okay. Plant yeah. seeds. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the kind of faithfulness that we lack. I mean, yeah. we're worried about, yeah. we're worried about the, and it does have repercussions for the rest of our relationship. And there are that's wise right. ways and there are ways of presenting the gospel that might turn people's hearts away. And there are, mm. there are foolish ways of, uh, of presenting the gospel. So that's, I don't want to make it seem like, um, it's a simple enough, the simple, like human interaction is really simple and easy. It's not. However, sure. We should look to that example of childlike faith where she really believes that, uh, she, like she gets it. And because she gets it, it's urgent and important to her that, mm-hmm. that, the people around her because she loves and cares about everybody and the people that she Mm -hmm. loves and cares about, she wants them to spend eternity with God instead of separated from him. Yeah. And I think just if we've lost that heart in our own walks, then like we have to fight to get that Mm -hmm. heart back. Um, cause God will use it. Like he's already using cheery in Norway. Mm -hmm. Um, and the rest of us are worried about how are we going to prepare? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We're (laughs) learning the language and cheery's like, uh, hi, hi. Yeah. Here's the gospel. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just think like that heart is what causes us to have the tendency to ignore the cost. Like mm-hmm. you can yell at me about being on your lawn. You can yell that I broke your glass, but like I'm going to break your life until mm-hmm. you hear the news. Yeah. Right. Like um, I can't make you follow the news, mm-hmm. but I'm going to make sure that you hear it. Yeah. Um, so I think like that heart and then the heart of just I... I'm a participant mm-hmm. um, and God expects me to be an evangelist. Yeah. If I call myself a Christian and if I'm following Jesus, then God expects me to be on mm-hmm. the front lines sharing that message. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There is no bench there. The coach has put us all in the game. Yeah. And so we're all, um, it's, and it's like one of the things we said earlier about why this is so important. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the like for sure commands of Jesus in mm-hmm. no uncertain terms. Yeah. Love God love your neighbor, go make more Christians and mm-hmm. disciple them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, an, yeah, the coach has put us all in the game. Yeah. I'm so reminded my, my little brother Graham <laughs> yeah. went to a different school than I did. I, I went yeah. in high school. I went to a big public high school and he went to a small Christian school and at his school, if you were a boy, you were on all of the varsity boys athletic teams. <laughs> nice. So like if you yes. were, if you were a boy and in high school, you were on the baseball team and the basketball team and the football team. I think that's all they had. I think on the football team, they didn't even have enough players for like a second string. So my little brother, Graham, he played every play of every game. Nice. And, um, it feels a little bit like that out here in Norway. It's, mm. you know, we got here in the, the Christian community here. They've been, um, unreasonably excited they've for been us. Awesome. To hear. They've been amazing and yeah. they're just ready to put us to work. But it's like, Oh, thank goodness you guys are here. Okay. Help us out. Like we got, mm-hmm. we've got work to do and they're, they're winded and they're working really, really, really hard. And it's a little, it's a little bit like that. It's a little bit like, okay, where well, if you're in, you're in the game. Like if you're mm-hmm. on the team, if you're on the team, you're in the game and God did not design the, the, and we use the extend the analogy, but he did not, if you're on the team, you're in the game. He did not design the game with a bench. Mm-hmm. There is no second string. There is no third string. Um, the promise of Jesus is that the harvest is plenty and the laborers are few. Right. And it's easy to feel like the laborers are many in a different context. But I think one of the challenges that is actually one of the blessings of being here in Norway is it's, it's clear how few the laborers are and how urgent the work is. And I think that that, um, that sense, I wish I could put it into all of the hearts 
of my American mm-hmm. Christian brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And so that there's no, there's no sense that uh, I think the way you put it, Jacob earlier was something like, I don't need to evangelize or I don't feel an urgency or responsibility to do evangelism myself. I'll support the people who do the evangelism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, good. Uh, support the people who do Amen. the evangelism. Do that. Yes. Don't support don't them. Don't not do that. Yes. Definitely support them. <laughs> Absolutely. But you, there is no bench. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so you're, you're, um, yeah, I don't. I don't want to torture the metaphor any more than I already have. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's a great. Uh, I think that's a great metaphor. Is mm-hmm. there is literally no bench, and the the coach has put us all in the game, right. and we. And I think it's um, when I talk to people about this and try to get Christians motivated uh, to do evangelism, I've definitely stepped on some toes, yeah. and definitely mm-hmm. people um, have kind of come back to me with a million. Half of them are reasonable reasons to not mm-hmm. uh, go uh, and evangelize uh, mm-hmm. regularly. I get it. I understand. Even though I was a weird five-year-old, like I, to- I get it. I understand it can be weird and awkward and frustrating, and it can be you- you're insecure about answering people's mm-hmm. questions, and you're insecure about how people will think about you, and like it almost feels like what we'd be a lot. We'd be sooner to try and uh, convince someone of our political position right. or political mm-hmm. persuasion yeah. than we would the gospel. Yeah. I mean, we don't stop strangers on the street and ask them what their investment portfolio is like. And they go, no, 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 no. You got it all wrong, right? You need to yes. move all that stuff around. <laughs> and we don't do that That's with, right. we don't do that with people's retirement accounts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're dealing with souls, which are, which are eternal and infinite. So, um, so yeah, I mean, like you said, there, there's all that reasonable, there are lots of reasonable reasons not to, like, I don't want us all to think that they're just excuses. However, God commands us be, to do beyond what is reasonable. Mm-hmm. So as Christians, like one of the defining characteristics of our life is that we ignore the things that are reasonable and we lean on the power and strength of the Holy Spirit in order to do the miraculous, the impossible, the totally unreasonable. So we're expected to be beacons of joy when nobody would blame us for being angry. And we're expected to be patient, loving, and kind when nobody would blame us for losing our temper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so reasonability or reasonableness, are those the same thing? I don't know. But reasonableness <laughs> sure. is, is not the standard of conduct for a disciple of Christ. Mm. It's godliness. Yeah. And I lo- one thing you always say is, uh, something like, uh, we don't measure our success or mm-hmm. our efforts by, um, our success, like the, right. uh, fruit, that comes mm-hmm. out, we measure it by our faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And like, that's mm-hmm. what Jesus commands and expects of us. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just huge with this evangelism conversation. Like me being an active player, um, doesn't mean that I'm constantly adding to the scoreboard. Right. Um, it means that I'm going out and I'm passing the ball, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm doing the job. Yeah. Now we're getting into basketball. I know. It's bad. I know. <laughs> it was, yeah, it's a good metaphor as far wow. as it goes. <laughs> yeah, that's the idea is that we are, we are judged and not to judge ourselves based on our faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And there's strategy and there's all that stuff, but we don't save people. Jesus does. Yeah. But he left us in this world in order to be his hands to touch the world. And so are we being, are we being faithful or not? And that's what should burden our conscience is not... Um, is not whether or not our efforts are saving people. They aren't. Yeah. The Spirit mm-hmm. saves people. God, God saved people. Jesus made a way of salvation. We don't save them. However, God has left us here to communicate the way of salvation, and our faithfulness is what um, is what will be rewarded. Yeah, that reminds me of a really good football metaphor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> done with that. We're not gonna do that. But uh, 
Here's what Paul says about this, because <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about this um, while preparing for what we were going to talk about. Because uh, mm-hmm. we uh, prepare the show, and we don't. Uh, you can tell, <laughs> yeah, we don't just do it off the cuff. Um, here's what Paul says. I'm going to read some scripture again. But here's what he says: If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. The Scripture says, "Anyone who believes in Jesus will never be put to shame." Mm-hmm. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile; mm-hmm. it means we're all the same, Jews and non-Jews, which are which are 100 percent, which is everybody, 100 percent mm-hmm. of people. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But, and this is a very important, but yeah. because that's where, uh, up until this is verse 13 of Romans 10, up until that verse, everyone's like, yes, clap, <laughs> cheer yeah. and super stoked. Yay. But there's a, uh, there's a, but here, but how then can they call on the one that they have not believed in and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard Mm. and how can they hear without someone preaching to them and how can anyone preach unless they are sent Mm -hmm. as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So yes, amen. Verse 13, everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Yes. And amen to that. But God chose us mm-hmm. for some reason. God chose you, my disciples. You are going to be my vehicle and my arm to reach this world yeah. with the gospel, bringing the message of salvation to everybody so mm-hmm. we can have eternal right relationship with God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that everyone back in California, that's our, and anyone who could be watching this in the future, yeah. that is uh, our motivator uh, for why we're here in Norway. That should be the church's motivator for everything that the church does yeah. is to be preaching the gospel and saving souls. So I hope you're more inspired to do that this week. I know that I for sure am more inspired to do this this week. So submit to the command that Jesus left us with that you would go and make disciples of all nations. Mm. So thank you for watching this episode. We really appreciate it. And we'll See you next week. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to Word First Radio. If you like the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. If you want to learn more about Word First and how you can support the ministry spiritually and financially, check us out at wordfirst.us. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Word First Radio, and we'll see you again next week. God bless. God bless.